Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 57 of the John Riley Project. Today is Friday, June 21st, 2019. It's the first day of summer. We're broadcasting as we always do from the JRP podcast studio here in the city and the country. Poway, California. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Got a bunch of topics we're going to get into. We're going to talk about entrepreneurism for young people and talking about options that young people may wish to consider about getting into business. Uh, talk about some Poway news that's going on in, in town. Got some other comments on the presidential races and just a lot going on. So just, you know, so much, so much to share. But you know, tonight I'm I'm watching the ball game and it's the Padres and the Pirates and and I'll tell you what, man, it was a I wasn't sure who to root for because you know of course you got the Padres and and love them, but the Pirates have uh, you know starting second baseman Kevin Newman from Poway High School and the starting pitcher for the Pirates Joe Musgrove, another San Diego guy, Grossmont High School guy, and a um, a student of. Poway pitching coach Dominic Johnson. So a lot of times you'll see Dom Johnson out of the fields and he wears his Musgrove shirt a lot. He's really proud of all the great things that Joe has done. And Joe had a great game today. He went seven innings, only gave up one run, and the Pirates ended up winning it 2-1. Lauer was terrific too. Um, but, you know, amazing. We lost the game on an error by Manny Machado, which is so uncharacteristic. Um, but it was a great game. And then after the game, I'm, you know, thinking about about the podcast. I'm flipping channels and Rocky is on. And I just love the movie. It was the original Rocky. I think it came out, what, in 76? Um, and man, or maybe it was 75, but man, what a great movie that was. And I was, um, you know, just, I had to watch it all over again. And the craziest thing is I was over at one of my client's offices this afternoon and we were just talking about the, the pet um, retail industry and how it's evolved so much since the 1970s. And I was commenting about how when I was a little boy, I, I lived in Burlingame. I used to go over to Broadway and there was a pet store there and it was a tiny little retail store that had these big bins and you'd scoop out dog food or rabbit food and fill up a bag and they'd weigh it. And they had the bird cages and the aquariums. And it was in this little tiny retail store, a, a lot like the store that Yo Adrian worked at in the original Rocky movie and and look at the pet industry now and how much it's boomed and people spend a lot of money on pets you know entrepreneurs right entrepreneurs in that world and so I don't know is that a coincidence we we're just talking Padres and we're talking pet supplies and Petco and I don't know I'm all over the place but I had a great weekend and my family, um, we all came together and, uh, Kim and I, uh, you know, we, and Trevor, we all went up to San Luis Obispo. My daughter Shannon graduated from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo and I'm so proud of her, uh, graduated magna cum laude, school of business, a degree in finance accounting and just had a great college experience with Cal Poly. So, um, you know, we loaded up. Actually, we were going to we, we had to move her out. You know, she's graduated. She's moving back to Poway here for about six months before she starts her new job up in San Francisco with one of the biggest accounting firms in America. And during this six months off, she's going to be studying for a CPA exam. So we had to go up, you know, obviously enjoy the whole weekend celebration. And we moved her out of her apartment. So. I'm trying to figure out how am I going to do this? And I was checking on one-way rentals of trucks from San Luis Obispo. And, you know, there's probably 
10,000 other families thinking of the same thing. So I ended up just going down on Poway Road at Hertz Rent-A-Car, and I rented a big, like, Ford van. This thing's enormous, and it was only, like, 200 bucks for the whole week. It was incredibly inexpensive. And so I we drove that up, and we ended up staying um, up at the top, like this crazy Airbnb with this amazing view up in the hills above San Luis Obispo, uh, Prefumo Canyon Road, if you've ever been up there. And we went went all the way up to the very top and this incredible Airbnb. And we were there Thursday through Tuesday and just had a great time. And uh, we had some family that joined us from Dallas uh, to celebrate Shannon's graduation. And it was just a wonderful experience. So got back, you know, back in town on Tuesday and, you know, it's interesting. You take a like some time off to spend with family, a vacation, and then you finally get back. And then like, Two days later, like yesterday on Thursday, I was just wiped out. It's almost like this time delay from the experience, but we had a great time. And what else happened just recently? You know, I posted another podcast, this one on universal basic income. Maybe you saw it and, um, you know, get clever with some hashtags and, of course, attracted some of the, the Yang gang. You know, those are the, the fervent, enthusiastic supporters of uh, presidential candidate Andrew Yang, some of them engaging um discussing the issues. And it was really great to see that kind of social media engagement in the YouTube comments on my most previous um, podcast. And I just really enjoyed that back and forth in the conversation. It was terrific. And, you know, the Andrew Yang presidency, uh, his candidacy, I think he's an intriguing candidate. I think he has a lot of great things to offer. I'm not a fan of universal basic income. I kind of broke it down in that last podcast episode. I encourage you to check it out. You know, it's a, it's a thousand bucks a month from the government. It sounds great, but be careful what you wish for. And, um, I, I went through the issues on that most recent podcast. So I got that up and, what else has been going on? I've been talking about being braver, you know, really kind of taking a maybe a stronger position on some of the issues, you know, following um, the the good words of Marion Kim Phelps from Poway Unified, be an upstander, trying to do that in the podcast. And, you know, I, this is part of the reason why I have a higher purpose in this podcast about life liberty and the pursuit of happiness. It's a really, it's a great framework because it gives me an opportunity to talk with amazing guests about their lives and, and how they're pursuing their happiness. We look at liberty as a great way to talk about politics and talk about culture. Um, so it's just a really great framework. And I, it's given me a lot of confidence. Um, this podcast is really rewarding for me and it's given me a great deal of confidence just to kind of put myself out there, share my thoughts when I do these solo podcasts and, you know, invite the conversation, invite the discussion. And we get a chance to do that when we have guests that come on the podcast. And we, like I said, we had Rory Herman that was here a couple of weeks ago, Poway hockey star. Uh, we had Pete Neald here, uh, one of our more frequent guests. He came over, he talked about his cross-country trip across America, fulfilling promises he made to his deceased mother who wanted her ashes spread at certain locations across America. And Pete and his, and his Corvette Calypso made that trip and fulfilled those wishes of his mother. It was an incredible podcast. Great story. So 
just really enjoying what we're doing here on this podcast project. So, you know, if, if you're, if, if you're not already doing so, I, I encourage you follow me on social media. I've got the John Riley Project Facebook page. I post a lot of the episodes there. I have a secret Facebook page. It's called the John Riley Project Insiders Group. And anyone can join. You just got to request permission. I, invite, I let everyone in that that asks permission. You just got to answer a couple of questions and you're in. And we have like bonus videos that I put out there, bonus conversations. We really like to have more intimate conversation with a smaller group of people. And I invite you to join us there on the Facebook group, the John Riley Project Insiders Group. Uh, but you can also follow me on Twitter on John Riley Poway. That's my handle. Or on Instagram, also John Riley Poway. So really encourage um, the social media conversation. Um, but, you know, I, I'm telling you, this podcast for me is just a really fulfilling experience. And I'm really happy I have a chance to share it with you. Um, it, um, it gives me, I don't know how I could say this, you know, it, it helps me build self-esteem when I'm here. And it gives me an opportunity to talk about issues that I enjoy talking about and exploring topics, learning about new things with my guests. So, just really enjoying it. But I was putting this podcast together, trying to figure out what I was going to do. And, you know, sometimes I'm my own worst enemy. When I'm thinking about a, a, a podcast episode, I'll have this internal debate in my mind, you know, and I'll come up with these ideas and then I'll shoot down the ideas. And I don't know about you, but I can sometimes be my own worst enemy. I I put up roadblocks. I fight myself a lot of times. I'm the king of paralysis analysis. Um, and sometimes it gets the better of me. And I'm trying to break through that as well. Um, sometimes I overthink things. And um, this podcast is sort of a therapeutic way for me to kind of push through that. And, um, you know, if you're going through that same sort of thing, let me know. I'd love to talk to you about it. Um, we can encourage each other to kind of get off the schneid sometimes, and I think that'd be good. So I'm just really happy. I'm just putting out this content, and when I do produce these episodes, it feels good. Like I feel like I'm producing, I'm creating, I'm I'm um, making progress, and it's a really great – I don't know. It just feels good. Um when I do this and I keep telling myself when I'm in that mode, you know, more of this, please. Um, so anyways, if, if you're enjoying this podcast with me, um, I thank you so much. I really do. Um, I've gotten so much great feedback. I've met a lot of great guests. Um, and so if you're listening or watching, just, Hey, thanks for being a supporter. Really appreciate it. Um, I do want to talk about a number of topics in the news and a lot of them, I was, as I was gathering my, my notes, a lot of them are Poway related, you know? So, you know, I live here in Poway and uh, love the city here. It's a city in the country and there's a lot going on around here. Um, the one big piece of news is, I don't know if you know who Anna Voss is. Um, Anna Voss is the, uh, the daughter of Poway Mayor Steve Voss. She's going to be debuting at the Grand Old Opry tomorrow night. Can you believe that? Um, this um, young lady has had extraordinary success. Um, you know, she went to Belmont University in Nashville, got this huge um, scholarship from Miranda Lambert, um, and she has just been 
just killing it. Um, and just having, you know, she was just touring with Willie Nelson and she's going to be on the stage of the Grand Old Opry and she's just in her early 20s. Uh, so just a huge success story for, you know, um, she calls herself the California kid. I guess if you're in the country music industry, being from California is a little different and that good for her. But uh, I've, I've checked out some of her, her songs and she's terrific and she does these great covers. She really likes Glenn Campbell, which I'm a huge Glenn Campbell fan. And I know she's covered some of his, his songs. Um, but I will tell you this. My first experience with Anna was what this is. I'd say it was about seven years ago. And at the time, I was the president of the Poway National Little League. And I had I had met Steve Voss. I think earlier in that year and Steve, great guy. And I invited him to come out and sing the national anthem on opening day of opening ceremonies for Poway national little league. And, and Steve, you know, this is before he was even elected on city council and he was gracious, but he said, can I bring my daughter, Anna to join me? And I said, sure. And at the time, Anna was, you know, she was a young teenager and, I'll tell you what, the two of them sang the national anthem together and they were fantastic. And, you know, here I thought, I I know Steve Voss, you know, he's a a Grammy award winner, a musician, um, and just really brought his daughter along and and she was fabulous. And again, she, a a young teenager, now she's a young adult in her early 20s and just having great success. So I'm really happy for Anna Voss. But, I guess we'll we'll transition now to local politics. We're talking about Mayor Steve Voss. Let's talk about the Poway City Council. They um, are in the process of approving their budget. And, you know, they're talking about there's uh, clouds on the horizon. You know, the the budget here in the city of Poway had always been very nicely managed. Um, It had a very fiscally conservative, very prudent process. The the community was involved in the budget review committee. In fact, I served on that committee, gosh, about 12 years ago, a long time ago. And that process has served Poway very well, and it still does. Um, but the the budget's getting squeezed, and they're talking about there's been a, a significant increase in, in expenses. You know, the sheriff is a, you know, a county resource that the city of Poway contracts to since it doesn't have its own police force. Those costs are going up 5.5%. The pensions for um, city employees are really starting to shoot through the roof. And this has been well documented in the news where, you know, Sacramento had made these overly generous promises to uh, public employee unions promising excessive pensions that were frankly unaffordable. Of course, the politicians do this in order to win the favor of the unions so they can have that um, endorsement from the unions, which is so powerful. But the, the at the Sacramento level, they promised the teachers and, in this case, the city employees excessive pensions. Now the city has to pay for it. And um, the what had happened at, at the Sacramento level is they ended up over forecasting the returns they were getting from the from the return on investment of the pensions, um, you know, where it's invested in stocks and bonds on Wall Street. And because it had underperformed, taxpayers are now having to make up the difference. This is creating a much greater burden on local government entities. And I'll give credit to the city of Poway. They've been trying to take some money earmark it for um, the pensions and trying to invest that and get a little bit of a return to 
minimize the amount of pain this is going to cause the city budget. But still, it's it's a huge increase in costs. That's putting a squeeze on the city budget. There's also some like silt that has to be um, cleansed over in the Penasquitos Lagoon. I don't know enough about that topic. Chris Olps joined us here about a month ago when he announced his candidacy for Poway City Council. And he talked about this issue. I'm hoping to learn a lot about it. But all these are added expenses that are making an impact on the budget. The city of Poway is still going to have a balanced budget, still delivering a little bit of money to reserve, not as much as you would hope. But in the future, they're going to have some tough choices to make. And we're going to see how that plays out. But you know what? It's interesting because um, at the city council level, they have the burden of the Poway Center for the Performing Arts. And this is a you know, really one of the few pieces of culture that's in the city of Poway. This is a, um, a two-story um, auditorium where they'll have national acts that'll come there and perform. I know Chris Christofferson has been there, Los Lobos, a lot of really big names have come through. And it's also a great performance venue for our school district um, and a number of other occasions and other other performances that are had there, the city of Poway actually subsidizes that $700,000 a year. And now the city is beginning to question, can they continue to do that? And the the facility itself is going to need four to five million dollars of renovation and maintenance. And this is a facility, by the way, that's on the Poway Unified School District property. It's right there on the Poway High, um, you know, lot. And the story is, is that the the city council and the school district share the expenses. Now, I don't know if that's a real 50-50 or how that's balanced, but at any rate, the city is, um, they got some issues to consider. And the Poway Budget Review Committee is now suggesting that a, um, a community forum be put together to really gauge the public's interest in continuing that subsidy to determine how high of a priority that might be. There's even some talk by some of the Poway City Council members that maybe the city needs to hand off the Performing Arts Center back to the school district. But we all know the school district's not going to be able to pay for it. They're in terrible financial condition, which we're going to talk about in a moment. So it's interesting to see what the city is doing. And now, you know, we're talking about this major renovation on Poway Road. They're hoping that's going to bring in more sales tax revenue, more property tax revenue. It certainly will. Um, so how is the budget going to play out at the city of Poway? We're not sure. But you know what? It's interesting is we're going through it a really strong economy right now. You would expect that these cities, these school districts would be experiencing surpluses or, you know, feeling rather flush with cash. But in many cases, it's the opposite. And it's because of the constant demand of more and more um, spending for employees. And that's really putting a hamper on a lot of these budgets. So, hey, let's talk about Poway Unified. They're experiencing a major budget crisis. They're 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 looking at deficits. They're staring them right down in the face, and they've got to make cuts. Now, again, full disclosure here: in 2014, I was a candidate for Poway School Board. Came up just a little short. Just lost by about one percent. Um, still getting over it five years later. Um, but at any rate, uh, 
Um, part of my campaign when I ran in 2014 was to have fiscal responsibility and to have um, community oversight of the budget. And so shortly after the 2014 election cycle, the school board decided to put forward a budget review committee. And I, because I believed in that, I, I volunteered myself for that committee. And in fact, I chaired it. And in 2016, we made a report to the Poway Unified School Board warning them that they were operating in a structural deficit. And what that meant is, is that their recurring expenses were greater than their recurring revenue. And what I mean by recurring are are things that are going to be ongoing year after year after year, like, for example, salaries, contracts that they have with um, third parties, et cetera. And the recurring revenue or the, the generally the the mostly guaranteed cash flow they can expect on a recurring basis from Sacramento. But what had happened is be, even though there was a structural deficit where the recurring revenues were less than the recurring expenses, there was still enough sort of one-time cash gifts from Sacramento when the when the state of California had a little extra money, they were passing it down to the school districts. And um, Jerry Brown provided that cash for the school district and that little extra boost of revenue made the school district look like it was operating in a surplus or at least had a balanced budget. And in many ways, it masked the underlying structural deficit. And we warned the school board in 2016, you need to control spending. You need to cut spending now and do not start spending on new initiatives. But of course, the school board moves forward with more raises. They um, continue spending. And now that structural deficit, which was masked by one-time infusions of cash, is no longer masked. And now the the budget for the Poway Unified School District, they're looking at an $11 million deficit for 2019-2020 school year and an $18 million deficit the following year. And so now we're experiencing reserves dwindling and the and the school board struggling to try to figure out how they're going to cut spending. Um, so they have an $11 million deficit they're looking at. They're going to try to cut $7 million um, and still they'd be running a $4 million deficit. But it's still, it's, it's crazy to me that they're in this situation because we all know the history of Poway Unified, the billion dollar bond that occurred Gosh, it must have been almost 10 years ago. And that put the school district in the national news. Poway Unified was a disgrace. It was a um, a symbol of how not to finance a school district, you know, borrowing over a little over $100 million and having to force taxpayers, actually future taxpayers, starting in the year 2032, to pay a billion dollars back for a little over a $100 million loan. Um, and so with that kind of fiscal irresponsibility combined with a, a, the previous superintendent, superintendent who was corrupt, who was stealing money from the school district, found guilty in a court of law, um, you would think that the school district, the school board would swing the pendulum the other way and show um, show fiscal prudence to taxpayers, um, really try to regain the public trust. Uh, but the school board's not doing that. And again, we're in this you know, booming economy this, that many say is a great economy. Revenues are up in the state of California. And still, 
the school district is running now a major deficit, again, for the same reasons that the city of Poway is having struggles, excessive pay for for employees, a pension crisis uh, with pension expenses spiking. But it all comes down to, in this case, unions. The unions and the school board in a quid pro quo relationship. The school board um, trustees, the elected school board representatives, get the endorsement of the teachers, get the endorsement of the school board, um, excuse me, of the school employees. And quid pro quo, in exchange, they give them back raises, raises that are unaffordable. And now here we are. So um, I plead with. Um, one of our previous guests here on the John Riley Project, newly elected Poway Unified School Board member Ginger Couvret. Uh, Ginger, you were a fabulous representative also on the City of Poway's Budget Review Committee. You know the fiscal discipline, the fiscal prudence that's necessary. I urge you to bring that that business process to Poway Unified School District and try to right the ship there for us and represent taxpayers. So I'm asking you, Ginger, if you could step up for us, please, that would be so appreciated. Um, as the new person on the board, I think you have a lot to offer, and this is one area where you could be fantastic. Um, okay, what else? You know, it, it's interesting also, I was just checking the news and the city of El Cajon's going through budget crisis. And Again, I'm just flabbergasted. You would expect this when we're in in a recession or the economy is stagnant, but not when the economy is strong. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. I looked at the news today. The unemployment rate in San Diego County is 2.8%. I mean, that's just mind boggling. And it's because of a lot of the new hires that have happened for the tourism industry in the summer. So yeah, when when the economy is this strong, how in the heck can these school districts and cities be in these financial pickles? It's just insane. In my opinion, it's mismanagement. In my opinion, it's not being a proper representative of taxpayers and taxpayer interests. So urging my local representatives to step up. Um Hey, on the national level, um really loving the whole process here for the Democratic presidential race and the candidacies that that are playing out. I mean, there's over 20 candidates that are, it's incredible. And we're seeing a lot of jockeying for position. You know, we, we've talked a lot about Andrew Yang in my last podcast. You know, he's the, the supporter of the universal basic income. I think Andrew Yang is a really interesting candidate. Like I said, I don't like the, the UBI, the universal basic income, but he has a lot of policy positions that I really think are great. I urge you to go check out his website. Uh, I think it's called Yang 2020, if I recall, yang2020.com. He has an amazing issues page. He has a laundry list of issues um, that he has taken positions on. In my opinion, he's being brave. That's what I talked about in the uh, in this podcast, hashtag be braver. He's taking positions on issues that most politicians would never touch because politicians don't want to stake their flag in any one location because then they're going to create people that dislike him for that reason. Uh, but Yang is brave. And he, he I mean, he took a position on the MMA, on mixed martial arts and um, and a lot of other issues. It's it's intriguing. And so I invite you to check that out. And but it, you look at the race and 
you know, Biden right now, he's getting the heat from a lot of the progressive candidates. They're trying to frame him as the corporate Dem and trying to tear him down. And and then you're, we're seeing um, Elizabeth Warren starting to rise. You know, Mayor Pete's been doing pretty well. Andrew Yang starting to ratchet up a little bit. Bernie coming back to the pack a little. Um, you know, are, are those progressive candidates going to pass up Biden? Really intriguing. And then the debates are next week. And I can't wait for that. So, you know, there's over 20 candidates. So they've had to split the the debates up into two days. They're going to be on Wednesday, June 26th and Thursday, June 27th. Um, If I've got nothing going on those nights, um, I'll be live tweeting. If my son's playing ball that night, I got to check the schedule. I'll be at his game. But if he's not, um, I'll be... uh, I'll be tweeting um, during those. So I encourage you to follow me at John Riley, John Riley Poway. And then, of course, afterwards, I'm going to do um, one or maybe two podcasts reviewing and breaking down the Democratic presidential candidate debates, because I, I think it's great drama. I'm always a huge fan of the debates. Uh, what else going on? You know, we talked a little bit about Padres when we started and they lost today. So they're back to 500. But you know, they had a nice little sweep of the Milwaukee Brewers and we're feeling confident and boy, the team has just been great. I mean, we're like Fran Meal had that big home run on Sunday and Fernando Tatis, unbelievable talent. Love watching him. Um, Machado, Logan Allen was great. Logan Allen, did he pitch? I think it was on Saturday night and it was his major league debut and he was fantastic. Seven innings, no earned runs. Um, Hosmer's hitting well. Um, Hosmer is hitting 280-something, and Machado now hitting 270-something. So Machado's starting to heat up. Hosmer playing way better than he did last year. Um, Joey Lucchese had a great pitching performance last time. Kirby Yates has been great. So the team is doing a lot better. And I'll tell you what, we've had so many years of misery with the Padres. It's wonderful to have a team that's, you know— in the conversation for the wild card race, I mean, for me, if they just finish 500 or even a little above 500, for me, that's a huge win. That's massive progress. Um, but who knows? Maybe they can do better than that. So I'm really enjoying the season. Uh, and then guess what? Tomorrow, Saturday night, it's going to be Chris Paddock. And I've talked about him a number of times on the podcast. He's the guy that just believes in himself. We did a whole podcast about believe in yourself. And I referenced Chris Paddock, you know, on his glove, it's, it's, um, uh, you know, he's got written, you know, be relentless. Um, the guy just has such confidence and, and he's really a talented young man. So love, uh, get a chance to see him. He's, he took about a couple of weeks off. They're trying to, you know, manage his innings. Don't want him to be overworked. Don't want him to get any pitching injuries. Uh, but he will be pitching again tomorrow night. So that's must-see TV. So I'm really looking forward to that. All right, what else? Um, the NBA draft was last night. Did you watch that? Um, that is the most confusing <laughs> to, uh, draft to watch because guys get guys get drafted by teams and immediately they're traded and 
and it's just so hard to keep track. So in many ways, I don't really pay too much attention to which players go to which teams. I'm just curious to see which players got drafted. And there were two guys that I was paying attention to. One of them was Jalen McDaniels from the San Diego State Aztecs. And there was a question, where was he going to go? Was he maybe a low first round somewhere in the second? Some said he might not get drafted at all. And good for Jalen. He was taken as the 56th pick right near the end of the second round by the Charlotte Hornets. I think that's great. And so really uh, rooting for Jalen. Hope he has a great career. Um, he's a very talented kid. Um, I think he's only he only played in college for a couple of years. Uh, plus, he had a redshirt season. So he's got to put some weight on. He's like a toothpick out there. But boy, is he talented. So looking forward to seeing how he does. The other one was Zylan Cheatham. And Zylan, of course, played for the Aztecs and was just a specimen, just an incredible athlete massive energy when he was on the floor, uh, sometimes a little too much energy. Um, he ended up transferring to Arizona State, and last year was his senior year, and he was fantastic. Um, just huge um, in terms of rebounds, steals, scoring points, had a lot of double-doubles. I think he was on the Pac-12 all-conference team, if I recall. And so he ended up not getting drafted, but he was picked up as a free agent right after the draft by the New Orleans Pelicans. The Pelicans, of course, drafted Zion Williamson from Duke University, made that big deal with the Lakers. The Pelicans are going to be a really interesting team. And if Cheatham can break through, you know, I would imagine he'll certainly be on their their uh, G, what do they call it? G League, you know, the Gatorade, um, the G League um, squad, which is like triple A, you know, in the, in the NBA world. And then hopefully he gets a chance to be on the team. So we'll see. So I'm rooting for those two guys. And I was really happy that they both got picked one McDaniels in the second round and Cheatham as a free agent immediately after the draft. So good for them. And then on a last thing before we get into the main topic is, um, I'm uh, the once one uh, show that I'm really watching a lot right now on Amazon Prime is Deadwood. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Um, I think this is a little bit of an older show. Maybe it was on the air 10 years ago or so, but I had been hearing people talk about it and I love Westerns. And this is a show about a gold rush town in South Dakota. I'm guessing it's around the 1880s and it's just fascinating. Um, love watching it. And that's going on right now. That's the show that I'm, I'm enjoying. My, uh, my wife, Kim, and my son, Trevor, they're watching Band of Brothers. That might be the next one I go to. But, you know, since Game of Thrones is over, I'm trying to find a new place uh, to stream, and, and that's where I am. So if you're a fan of Deadwood, let me know. Send me a note uh, on, on social media, or you can go to my website, John Riley Project. You can fill out a form there. Drop me a note. Love to talk to you about it. Maybe you've seen Deadwood and enjoy some of the characters. I think it's a fascinating show. Really liking it. Um, and, um, yeah, one, one last thing I'm, uh, I'm always looking for new guests and I'm really happy to say that we've got a couple of new guests that were right in the middle of getting organized to book for interviews. Um, uh, but I'm always enjoying having guests on the program. You know, when I'm doing these solo podcasts, Hey, this is a time I have a platform. This is where I can share my thoughts and opinions. When I have guests, I enjoy the conversation, but I really like to let them tell their story because I think they have a lot to offer. So if you know of any guests that you'd like to recommend or maybe you'd like to be a guest, 
contact me on social media. Um, reach out to me, John Riley Project on Facebook or John Riley Poway, which is my handle on Twitter or Instagram, or just drop me a note on my website. I, one topic that I really do want to get into is the topic of tipping, um, at tipping in restaurants and taxis and all the other areas of life where we tip. So if you work in the service industry, maybe you're a waiter um, at a restaurant Maybe you drive a Lyft or an Uber or, or you know someone that works for a taxi company. Contact me. I would love to have a conversation with you here in a podcast episode. Let's just talk about tipping, best practices, crazy stories. I think we have a lot of fun talking about that topic. So that's one I like to work on. Okay, so um, let's get into this topic of entrepreneurship for young people. And I'm doing this a little bit on the heels of that universal basic income topic. And I had said that one of the alternatives to UBI is to really encourage more entrepreneurship because I'm a believer that entrepreneurship can create fantastic opportunities for people if they're willing to open up their mind to it. So let me tell you a little bit about my story. So um, I'm self-employed. I've had my own business. I've been doing completely on my own since 2004. So I've been in business for myself for 15 years, which is unbelievable. I, I can't even fathom that. Um, I started in when I was 39 years old. And just at this point now, I can't imagine me doing something any different than that. Um, but I'm really, really enjoying it. But I tell you what, I wish I would have started sooner. Um, I started when I was 39. I would have loved to have started when I was in my 20s, or even in my early 30s. And, you know, why didn't I do it then? I think some of it I was just not I was just not aware of the opportunities. I wasn't open to them. I, I didn't have a really strong mentor to guide me. Certainly there was a level of fear. You know, I, I got out of college. I needed to make money right away. And so, um, you know, a steady job, a steady paycheck was very important to me and it, as it would be for anybody. Um, but I was still, you know, maybe fearful of even considering entrepreneurism, going into business for myself. It was this unknown thing and didn't feel like I had the resources to do it or the ideas or the capabilities to do it. Um, and you know what? Now looking back on, on it, back then I absolutely had the ability to do it, maybe in different ways than I'm doing it now, but there's no question I could have done something. And so um, I know that when I was in my early 30s, I did a little dabbling moonlighting. I actually created a website called ultimateguy.com where I created like an e-commerce site. I think it was in 1997, I think is when I started it. This is like in the early days of the internet. I set it up in the Yahoo shopping mall back in the day. And I learned a ton doing that. Um, and I, what I did on ultimateguy.com is I had all these different products to sell to guys. And this is back... I don't know if you remember when um, Adam Carolla and Jimmy Kimmel had the TV show, The Man Show, and that was kind of a thing on Comedy Central, and it was this whole kind of guy thing going on. And so I created a store for it, and I sold um, men's boxer shorts. I had this assortment of all these novelty TV remote controls that look like you know Star Trek phasers and all these really clever remote controls uh, for televisions. I even sold urinals on this website. It was just nuts. But I had a lot of fun and a lot of creativity. But I went out and I built relationships with suppliers. And some of them drop ship for me. Some of them I had to buy inventory and sell. And I learned a ton um, doing it. And 
you know, I continued doing a lot of that moonlighting business before I eventually went off on my own in 04. So I, I could tell you it's very doable even on a small scale. And um, when people are young, when, when I'm talking about young people, high school, college, even as young adults right out of college, you have an opportunity to do these kinds of things if you're creative, if you have initiative, and you can do it on a really small scale, and you can learn a ton about business. And a lot of this is easily transferable to more corporate careers. And who knows, it might turn into something that can get a lot bigger uh, and turn into something very special. So I'm going to break some of this down. But, But first, you know, if you're a young person, again, you're a summer job, you know, maybe now you're thinking of like, I got to find a job in the summer. Maybe you're getting out of college. I got to get a job. And you hear this all the time, you know, hey man, get a job. And it always reminds me of talking about presidential candidates. How about Joe Biden? This is just one of the funniest gaffes by him. This was in, it was either in 2008 or 2012. I can't remember. And he was, you know, of course, vice presidential, um, you know, he was the vice presidential candidate in 08, the vice president in the 2012 cycle. And he made a comment about Barack Obama. And he said, Barack Obama has a plan for the economy. And it's a three letter word. J-O-B-S. Jobs. <laughs> so I encourage you, if you go to YouTube, you can look it up. I mean, look up Biden and then jobs and you'll find that clip and it's hilarious. Um, but at any rate, you know, we hear about everything's about jobs, right? We, you know, go out and get a job and, and sometimes it's hard, you know, to, to find the right job. I mean, let's, let's be real. You know, you look around and you know, can you find the right fit? Um, do you have to move somewhere else to find the right fit? That can be challenging. Sometimes the job you're in doesn't pay what you want. Maybe the benefits aren't quite right. And we hear a lot of, you know, the, a lot of the topics in today's political races are a lot about, you know, wages and health care. And, and we know a lot of those challenges exist. Um, in some cases, you can overcome those challenges if you bring value to the marketplace. But if you're just starting out, a lot of times you've just got to grind through that. And it's hard. It's very hard. And then there's people out there that are underemployed. You know, we just said that the San Diego unemployment rate's 2.8%. But, you know, that doesn't tell us the full picture. There are still people that are working, but they might have a bachelor's degree and they're working at Starbucks. Um, or they might have a a degree in, you know, maybe a liberal arts degree, but they can't find an applicable job and maybe they're only working 20 hours a week. And so these people are what they call underemployed. And, and that's a real thing. And imagine being uh, coming out of college, having a tremendous amount of debt and then being underemployed, a real challenge. Um, and then, of course, you know, we talked about Andrew Yang and the worry about artificial intelligence. So, you know, there's it's, in many cases, Job, finding the right job can be tough. I mean, in some other cases, now may be one of the more easy times to find a good job. Um, but still, it's, it's, never, it's never easy to find the perfect fit. Um, sometimes you have to bounce around, and that's challenging, and that's difficult. Um, and then even when you are working at a job, you're always at the mercy of the man, you know, your boss. Your boss, in many ways, is going to be dictating a lot of things. Um, you know, depending on your situation, you may not have very much leverage. So whatever they pay is what you get. You may not have an opportunity to, to 
reasonably negotiate because you may not have anything to negotiate with. Um, and then in some cases, you know, working conditions can be difficult. Getting time off can be difficult. So in a lot of cases, when you're doing a job, you're always working for the man. Um, but you know what? It depends on it depends on what your career is. And for some people coming out of college, like I'm taking my daughter as an example, um, you know, she's coming out of, of school with a degree in finance accounting. She's studying to earn her CPA exam. That's a very specific set of skills. That's something that can create opportunity in the corporate world. But sometimes people are not developing highly marketable skills and they've got to find other ways to make something work. And in, in some cases they have to think on their feet, be ingen- ingenuous. What's the right word? Be ingenuous. Now it, it show ingenuity. How's that? Um, so in many ways they're going to have to think on their feet and, and be creative in the business world and the, in the world of entrepreneurism provides that. And heck it's, um, it, it provides if you if you're able to be your own boss. Think about it. You can set your own hours. You can pay yourself whatever you think you're worth. I mean, provided you have the income coming in um, for, for in your business opportunity, um, and you potentially can earn a great deal more as an entrepreneur. Um, and you are effectively the man. You are the one that is largely to a great degree controlling your own destiny. And so in many ways, this can be a huge calling for some people. It's, being an entrepreneur is not for everybody. Um, but it in my opinion, should be one of the options on the table that should be considered. And for some people, it's a fabulous opportunity. For some people, they don't have the right mindset. They don't want to take those kinds of risks. Um, Maybe they don't have the skills. But for other people, it can be an incredible opportunity. So what is what do I mean by this? In some cases, it could be as simple as selling things online. Um, I have a friend of mine. He started a business by um, having a product. He designed a product. He had it created in China. And then he imports it and he sells it on Amazon. And he sells it through his website and through a number of other channels that he's developed. And he did it completely um, with his own mind. He came up with the idea. He came up with the design. And he figured out how to build a relationship with a company overseas to build it for them. Um, but sometimes it, it, you could sell products simply, like I said, with what I did on my website, you know, oh gosh, what was it, 20 years ago, where you just build relationships with suppliers. And if you can position a set of products and deliver something unique to the marketplace, you have an opportunity to specialize in a niche and provide products and sell them online. I was just... Um, perusing through podcast episodes. I don't know if you ever heard of Shalene Johnson. She's kind of a, uh, she's an entrepreneur. She's a um, motivational speaker. She does a number of things, but she just had a podcast episode with someone that sells arts and crafts supplies online and makes six figures a year doing that. Makes over $100,000 a year in, in personal income selling arts and crafts supplies online. So there's a huge opportunity out there now with the internet, with technology to do things that were never possible 30 years ago. So what I mean by this, selling products online or providing a specialized service. So maybe, you know, I know that there are some, well, again, I'm going to talk about the Voss family again. Um, 
it wasn't my intention to go through the whole the whole list, but there, uh, Steve Voss has a son, Jacob Voss, who is a talented um, uh, videographer producer. He does videos um, and he's able to take his passion and he's developed that skill. And I know his, his mother is in that business and he has learned how to uh, record and edit video and he provides that service. And he was doing that when he was in high school and earning money doing that. Um, he also was writing um, uh, stories and earning money doing that as well. So if, if you're able to develop a, a skill and provide a specialized service, that can be an entrepreneurial opportunity. Um, and in some cases, it's starting a business. In other cases, it's just being a freelance consultant. So, but... Like I was saying, the, 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 the world of technology has changed the rules of the game. We hear a lot about the gig economy. Um, this has, is a huge game changer. With the gig economy, you're seeing people that are having multiple projects, multiple relationships with different clients, and that gives them the flexibility to build their career the way they want, and it gives them the flexibility to manage their time. The classic gig economy gig is, you know, being a driver for Uber. It doesn't pay a lot, uh, pays a little bit, um, but that's a job that you can choose when you want to work and you can um, choose to work during high demand times, low demand times, what your schedule, how it fits your schedule, et cetera. But there are all sorts of other gigs that are out there, especially if you have unique skills. I mean, because right now companies are desperate for good people, but companies often don't necessarily want to hire someone. Uh, They don't want to have another person on the headcount because that becomes challenging when people are managing budgets, especially in the corporate world. So companies want to have the flexibility to bring people on as contractors to do accounting, to do bookkeeping. Maybe it's they just need people to do photography and video work, web design. A lot of these specific gigs, these are skills that young people can build and they can do it at a very young age. And it's it's a great way to think it through because Young people don't necessarily have to look for that summer job at the ice cream shop, don't necessarily have to look for um, that job bussing tables at a restaurant, grinding at minimum wage and hoping to get a little bit of tips. There are opportunities to do things very differently and make a lot more money. How do you get started? The first thing that you have to do is you have to build skills. You have to find a unique skill that you can bring to the marketplace. And there is tremendous opportunity now that, again, didn't exist 30 years ago. Number one, there's always internships. Companies are always looking for interns. There are intern projects that are available where you can be in the workplace learning skills being um, someone you can look over the shoulder of existing employees, they'll train you. Those opportunities exist. But even in online learning, there is a huge amount of online classes that are available, many of them for free, some of them for a small fee where you can learn 
incredible skills. I mean, for example, even to do this podcast, that's how I ramped up. That's how I learned about the technology and how to put together a podcast. I did it through online learning and I learned a ton. And there's so much that can be had now through the internet to build those kinds of skills. Um, In some cases, in order to build a skill, you may need to take a job for a, a short period of time, take that job, maybe be thinking, I'm going to have this job for three months, six months, 12 months, just enough to build those skills. And then at that point, maybe you can take those skills into the marketplace and provide them directly to a company as a consultant, as a freelancer. And instead of earning a modest salary, you could be earning two times, three times the salary that you normally would earn if you were an employee. It's absolutely possible. Um, and it's so easy to get started. I mean, if you have a unique set of skills, create a website, you can incorporate yourself and create a business entity and then begin to provide those services. If you have unique skills, you can build a website that speaks to that. And when people are searching for that skill set, you can be found. That can be a, a great opportunity for you. So what are some ideas? Well, I told you about the friend of mine that imported products from China. Um, I told you about the, the website that I built in the late 90s, built relationships with suppliers. Here's, here's a tip. This is one that I have, I have preached to other young people, including my son, including others. And I, I think this is a huge opportunity for, let's say, a high school student um, or a college student to do on the side or to do during the summer where they can earn way more money than they could um, working a minimum wage job where they can develop skills, learn how to run a business. And what it is, it's sprinkler repair. And I think this is a huge one because on our property, we have like gazillions of sprinkler heads and they're a pain in the neck to manage. Um, Our landscaper generally doesn't like to do that kind of work. A person that just specializes in that has an opportunity to charge a very good hourly rate to do that work, has an opportunity to resell those products um, for the customer, and also has an opportunity to build a skill in that narrow niche. And then that is a great opportunity to earn income and learn how to run a business. And when they move on, you know, beyond the sprinkler repair industry, those skills are great bullet points to put on a resume when you're going out looking for a more career-oriented job. So that's an opportunity. Um, and, and there are countless other cases that are like this. But on the internet, you have an opportunity to, to establish your niche, build that skill, and attract those kinds of clients. Um, there's a, an, another guy. We've, I've talked about Zeke on our podcast. Zeke helps me on this podcast. He's a, a videographer. He's a photographer. Um, he's helped me when I have uh, special guests. He'll often come and do additional video work. He'll do some of the video editing for me. He's a freelance consultant, and and he's doing well for himself as a young man. And love seeing him building his business. And he's doing um, freelance um, photography and videography um, for businesses, restaurants, nightclubs. He's helping me with my podcast, doing lots of work for other companies. And 
and he has the flexibility, controls his time. And I just think it's fantastic for a young man like that because he's getting work, he's getting paid at a good wage, and um, he's building skills and he's learning how to run a business. So again, great opportunities. So when, when you're thinking about this, you know, a lot of times people ask young people, what's your dream job? What do you want to do? And a lot of times people don't know. I mean, heck, I'm 54. I still don't know what I want to do. Right now I'm doing a podcast and I'm enjoying it. I'm loving it. Um, But when you're a young person, you're 16 years old, 18 years old, you don't know what you want to do. Um, And and so you try different things and, and maybe you might consider something, you think you want to do it and then you switch over and think of something else, think of other things you want to try and you dabble. And that's good. That's healthy. But what I encourage people to do is think in terms of not what's your dream job, but more importantly, what big problems do you want to solve and use that as your guiding light for what kind of career to pursue. If you want to start a business, think in those terms, what kind of big problems do I want to solve now? When you're young, and I talk about this with with young teenagers, college students, there are little niche jobs that I think are really cool ways to get your foot in the door, to put your toe in the water, to learn how to own a business, to build a business, to attract customers. But when you think more long term in terms of a of a career that's going to last a lifetime, think in those terms. What what are the big problems that you like to solve? Um, and I'll tell you what, when entrepreneurship, when you're young, when you're in your late teens and your 20s, it's the best time of all to do it. This is what I didn't really realize when I was young. You, you have nothing to lose. You, you, don't, you don't have like giant mortgage payments and you don't have a lot of the, let's say the financial requirements that middle-aged people, parents have. When you're young, you're single, you have huge flexibility you have the opportunity to to um, take calculated risks when you're younger that you might not take when you are in a middle-aged person. Um, and so I think that is the time to be an entrepreneur, to be innovative, to be creative. These are things that I wish that I would have embraced more when I was in my 20s. And so in this podcast, I'm hoping I can spread that that opportunity to others. And like I said, being an entrepreneur for a young person is not for everybody, but for some people, it is a good avenue, but some just simply have never really considered it as an option. They look at the list of jobs and there's the typical list. They might know some people, um, but they never really, at least for myself, never really get to that stage where you think, what if I just went into business for myself? What could I potentially do? And when you put yourself in that mindset, a whole new world of opportunity presents itself. Um, things that you never would have considered. And it's amazing how that develops. And again, you earn, you can potentially earn a lot more and you can have greater control and flexibility over your schedule. And for me, um, you know, as I was, a, I was a parent, I, I went into business when I was 39 at the time, my children were really young and I, I had a blessing that I was able, because I had my own job, I was able to modify my schedule and be flexible. So I was always able to attend my children's activities. In many cases, I coached my kids, um, in sports and I really enjoyed that. And I'm, I'm, 
it's it's something that I'll, I'll I'll treasure for the rest of my life that I had that flexibility. If I was working a corporate job eight to five, I probably wouldn't have had that ability to exit, you know, four or five days a week during the afternoon to go to kid activities. Um, but because as I was an entrepreneur, I had that flexibility and I'm going to always treasure that. Um, there's other interesting things that I think are worthy of bringing to the table if you're young and you're considering starting your own business. It gives you a chance to sort of play the game, to, to use the business entity as a way to redirect some of your expenses. Like, for example, you have to have business supplies. So that computer you're using, rather than paying for it with your personal money, you can pay for it with your business income. And then um, you are getting a tax advantage in doing it that way. Same thing is true with your car. Um, if your car is primarily used for business purposes, that's an expense and it can be written off as an expense in the business. And that again, I mean, it's still an expense, whether you're paying for it individually or through your business. But if you pay through it through your business, that provides certain tax advantages for you as well. So a lot of great opportunity to maximize your financial plan by setting up a business and taking advantage of these rules in the game that you can play um, to really make your end outcome a lot more favorable. Um, But um, ultimately, young people need to be thinking about how do I build skills, skills that are marketable, skills I can bring into the marketplace to offer um, as a service to other people, um, to other companies? Um, and if you're not thinking about building the skills that you would actually provide, you should be thinking about how do I build skills to buy and sell product, to build websites, to sell products online? How can I build those skills? And you can start very small, start it as a hobby, and then incrementally grow it. And that those skills that you build are going to be incredibly valuable as your career grows. But you know what? There's always people that want to stop you. There, there always are going to be roadblocks. So you're going to hear people say, ah, oh, that's a terrible idea. You can't possibly be successful with that. You'll hear naysayers. My, my friend Joel, who I used to work with, he used to call them crabs. You know, it's like if you have a bunch of crabs in a glass and one of the crabs starts trying to climb out, people will pull them back down. And so you're going to hear naysayers that'll tell you it's a terrible idea. Um, if you believe in it with all your heart, with what you want to do, ignore them and go do it. Um, at the same time, there are other roadblocks. And a lot of times it comes from our government. Heck, we're talking about the city of Poway, um, you know, your, your government entities are going to demand licensing depending on the occupation you, you uh, choose to pursue. Um, there's going to be fees. There's going to be all kinds of, um, I guess you've got to pay the government oftentimes for permission to do some of these things. In other cases, there are all sorts of regulations that prevent businesses from, from getting started or create roadblocks for those businesses in getting started. And it's interesting is you'll the the classic story of the lemonade stands right um, and obviously this lemonade stands by the way are wonderful it's a great way to teach really young children about capitalism about entrepreneurism and in some cities they're outlawing lemonade stands because you can't start an unlicensed unregulated business or you can't put up a business on a sidewalk and you're seeing and this is kind of a 
I guess, a one-off case, but you're seeing some cities that are saying you can't do that. And even here in the city of Poway, they, they make a lot of those categories of businesses that are just pop-ups on sidewalks illegal. And I understand why they do that, but they've often carved out and they say, well, well, not for lemonade stands, not for Girl Scout cookie sellers. Um, but it's odd though that, that we have in many cases government entities that are blocking people from going into business for themselves. I mean, heck, if you want to just have a license, let's say you want to go into the cosmetology business. I mean, being uh, an artist, a hairdresser, and being an artist in that world is your passion. Um, it costs thousands of dollars and requires hundreds of hours of training just to get a license to do that. And you have to have a license just to shampoo hair. To shampoo hair. Unbelievable. So there's a lot of these cases that are set up where government creates roadblocks for entrepreneurs. In my opinion, that's very discouraging. I'd love to see a lot of those relaxed. But I will say this. Um, uh, there's another guy that I want to give a shout out to. And this is another Poway connection. Connor Boyack. Um, Connor actually grew up here in Poway. His mother, Marilee Boyack, served on the Poway City Council Connor now lives in Utah. In fact, the whole Boyack clan moved it back to Utah. Um, and he started up a think tank of his own, and it's called Libertas Institute, um, Libertas Institute. And they're doing really great work trying to bring more free market economics, free market principles into the state government in Utah. And they're having success, some success. But he has also created his own series of books called the Tuttle Twins. And they're all about teaching young children about free markets, about capitalism, about all of these principles of entrepreneurism and how, uh, you know, not only how can young people learn to go into business for themselves, but also talking about government entities and how they, they thwart entrepreneurism and how they try to prevent it. Um, and he does it in a children's book that, and this project of his has been extremely successful. And I just think it's fantastic. So Connor Boyack, huge shout out to you. You're doing great work out there in Utah. Um, love the work you're doing with Tuttle Twins. Keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, okay. So what else? Um, talking about entrepreneurship. And I'll say, hey, I want to say, first of all, if you're watching, if you made it this far in the episode, you're watching, you're listening. Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, this is episode number 57 of my podcast and we're going strong. We're going to keep producing episodes and maybe you just want to help. What are some things you can do to help? The first thing you can do is listen and watch all these episodes. Um, and if you like it, share it with a friend. You know, you can share it on social media retweet it. Um, in other cases, maybe just make a reference. If you see someone, maybe you're at a, at a ball game and someone's sitting next to you in the bleachers, you have a conversation, tell them about the John Riley project. Um, and those kinds of references would be so appreciated. If you're on iTunes, um, subscribe, leave a review. You can leave up to five stars. You can write a little sentence or a paragraph, a review of the podcast, that would be so appreciated. Um, if you are on YouTube, leave comments. If you're on YouTube, subscribe. And, you know, there's a little red subscribe button. Click on that. That would be helpful. Um, if you are interested in financially contributing to this project, 
Go on my website, johnreillyproject.com. In the menu section, you can donate. Um, and you'll see a lot of podcasters are doing this. They're getting donations or even subscriptions from their, uh, their viewers, their listeners. I set up a page on Patreon, and there you can, you can subscribe. You can also make financial contributions. And those, those dollars, we'll use them to market the podcast, try to grow the audience, and any support we get is so appreciated. Um, heck, if you're a business and you like to be a sponsor, we'd love to have you. Um, and we'll read ads for your, your uh, business on the podcast, and we'll maybe even come to your place of business and do a podcast remotely on site. So if you're interested in helping, we love your support, love your help. Those are some ways that you can get involved. Those are some things you can do. Um, and of course, hey, follow us on social media. Love that. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, I'm going to start doing more on LinkedIn. Um, I know Jordan Peterson's created a new um, platform called ThinkSpot. I'm going to try to learn more about that. Um, Want to get involved with that social media platform. So there's a lot of other channels I'm exploring. But um, hey, we're at the end. And it's been great. Loving this. Um, let me sign off with this. Here's another quote. And I, I found this from, from Connor Boyack. And he actually retweeted it. And he, he said, uh, rapper quotes an apostle. And this is good. I mean, the rapper he's talking about is P. Diddy. And um, or is he just Diddy now? I can't remember. But anyways, um, and he's talking about L. Tom Perry. I'm He's apparently an elder in the Church of Latter-day Saints. So I guess one of the the big shots in the Mormon religion. And one of his quotes that Diddy has retweeted and Connor has retweeted, it's a good one. And it's one of the greatest weaknesses, excuse me, one of the greatest weaknesses in most of us is our lack of faith in ourselves. And that's so true. That's why I love Chris Paddock. The pitcher for the Padres. He believes in himself. He's relentless. Um, that's why we did that whole podcast on believing in yourself. But if you want to be an entrepreneur, you also have to believe in yourself. You also cannot lack faith in yourself. And I know it's hard. Sometimes I struggle with this, um, but I always look for ways to be more self-empowered. I look for ways to motivate myself. I look for ways to build confidence, to grow my self-esteem so I don't fall in that trap of lacking faith in ourselves. Um, so I encourage you to get out there, blow through that weakness of doubting yourself. Instead, believe you can do it. Go out there, go into business for yourself. It's a great option for you to consider. And I wish you all well. This is John Riley. This is the John Riley Project. It is episode number 57. It's Friday night, June 21st, the first day of summer. And I'll be back at you later this weekend. See you later, folks. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.